Welcome to the Art Stories Podcast. So there I was, standing in front of a group of strangers attending a football game, being cursed out about Doritos. A minute or two later, Taylor Swift comes out and she like smiles at All-American Nashville smile and she, she introduces herself, she shakes my hand, hey, I'm Taylor, hey, I'm the groom. We're bringing you true personal stories told in the Southern tradition and recorded in front of a live audience. I caught just enough of the video to see a very large man making this slow walk toward a van, wearing absolutely nothing but his underwear and coated in grease. And I'm going to stop right there, and the rest of it is history. I'm your host, Chris Kinsley. Happy Valentine's Day, story lovers. Now, regardless of how you're feeling on this hallowed day of love, whether counting down the hours until you finally get to go out with that special someone for a night of romance, or planning to drown your love sickness in a gallon of ice cream and a bottle of two buck chuck, today's episode is just for you. We're bringing you two stories from our latest event where our theme was, That's the Way Love Goes. Stories of love and heartache, and these stories have both. This first one is from storyteller Brett Pippin. It's 1985, the Auburn Plainsman, offices of the Auburn Plainsman. For those of you who don't know, the Auburn Plainsman is the student newspaper of Auburn University. I had just been promoted from assistant news editor to news editor. One of the perks of this promotion is I get to move from one crappy wooden desk to a crappy steel desk. <laughs> so I'm in the process of cleaning out my crappy wooden desk, opening the drawers and digging through and getting the stuff out, throwing stuff away, sorting things, all this kind of stuff, when I come across a zap photo. <clears throat> now it's a zap photo of me and my big sister from the fraternity. Enough kind of looking at it, when all of a sudden from behind me I hear someone say, hey, I know her, she's a good friend of mine. And I turn to talk to the person who was there, only to be struck by one of the most beautiful, red-headed women I had ever seen. She talked to me, I think. I talked back, which sounded more like, blah, 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 blah. stammered through it, whatever. And I thought, and then we went our separate ways, and I thought, oh my goodness, I fell in love that moment. Love at first sight. After that, we would see each other. We'd see each other at parties. Plainsman, uh, the newspaper had parties and stuff. So we'd go to Plainsman parties, and we'd see one another. We did the whole group date thing where a group of folks would get together, and we'd go to Mama G's, or we'd go to the supper club, or Harry's, or something like that. And the whole group of us would be together. Then eventually... It sort of wound down where it ended up just being the two of us. And we would go places and we'd just talk. It's that great moment at the beginning of the relationship where everything's brand new. And we're telling stories about our lives and our families and our futures and where we're going and where we're headed. And we would talk for hours and just get lost in these conversations. Now, what I would lean on for my stories is growing up in rural North Alabama. And I would tell her, I would regale her 
with stories about my father's hardware store, H.A. Pippin Company in Cortland, Alabama, and tell her about, oh my gosh, it's like an amusement park for a preteen boy. You just run and play. It's just awesome, an old-style hardware store. Also, we had 75 acres of cotton, and I would tell her about running through the cotton fields and riding in the cotton wagons and, and, and picking the cotton, getting on cotton pickers and going to the cotton gin, doing all these cool things with all that. But my favorite stories, and the ones she seemed to like the best, were stories about the pig farm. My family owned a pig farm, and at the time, when I was growing up, we uh, raised pigs from birth to slaughter, okay? And so I would tell her all these stories about the pig farm and how cool it was and all this kind of good stuff and how, how I would work the pig farm. I'd feed the pigs. I'd round up the pigs. I'd clean after the pigs, anything having to do with the pigs. And so from then on, as we were dating, I would continue to regale her with these stories. Our first official date January the 25th, 1986. I invited her to the movie pub in Auburn University. We went to the movie pub, I bought hot dogs, we bought french fries, and we had beer. And we sat and we talked while St. Elmo's Fire played in the background. <laughs> it was great. The relationship was going well, it was maturing, we were learning to love one another and getting to know one another, and I knew I was completely in love with her. I wasn't real sure about whether, you know, that kind of thing was so we kind of feeling each other out kind of thing. And we would meet and we would talk, and then one day, we're talking, and I'm again regaling her with what we ended up calling pig stories. And out of nowhere, she pops the question. I was caught completely off guard flat-footed, had no idea how to react, but she looked at me and she goes, when are you going to take me to the pig farm? I love pigs. They're so cute and pink and cuddly with their soft little squishy noses. I want to see the pig farm. And I said, no, no, you don't, no, no. No, really, I want to, no, 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 I just, look, I just, we don't want to do that, you don't want to, promise, you don't want to do that, it'll be fine. And I figured since I told her that we weren't going to do this, that that would be the end of it. <laughs> what I realized later is how persistent Rachel is. So every time we would get together, we'd be into this for about five minutes, when every time she would say, when are you going to take me to the pig farm? I love piglets. They're so cute and cuddly, little pink nuggets of fun and cuteness. <sighs> oh, my God. This went on, and I finally I was like, okay, well, how am I going to address this? So I went to the only person that I knew who could sympathize with my situation, and that was my father. Went home, visited my dad, sat down, and I just unloaded. I said, Dad, what am I going to do? I love her. This is the person I'm going to marry. And oh my God, she wants to go to the dadgum pig farm. I said, I can't do this. She grew up in Mountain Brook, for God's sake. <laughs> her father is a dermatologist and a professor at UAB. They've been, to, they've been to Europe. 
like as a family together, like two or three times. And she's been presented officially to society. She was a debutante. What am I going to do? Because I know they are fancy folks, and I am not. If I take her to that pig farm, and she connects me with that nasty, smelly place, we are done. She is leaving me faster than anything, and I know that's what's going to happen. He shook his head, kind of smiled, looked at me. He said, son, your mother asked me the exact same thing. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you two things. First, if you take her out there, she will never ask to go again. <laughs> Second, if you take her out there and she leaves you, it just wasn't meant to be. He handed me the keys to the gate to the farm and sent me on my way. So I had the keys. I knew I was going to take her. But I wasn't going to bring it up. This is what's known as avoidance. <laughs> Not going to bring it up. But you all know, and I knew, that it was going to come up at some point. And sure enough, we're out. And she looks at me one day and she goes, When are you going to take me to the pig farm? I love those cute little pigs with their nice little noses. And they're so pink and cuddly. I love it. Let's go. We set a date going to go pick her up. And I said, now, wait a minute. You need to dress properly for a pig farm. It is a pig farm. It's a working pig farm. So you need to dress properly. She said, absolutely. I said, okay, cool. So I go to pick her up. I'm dressed in boots, blue jeans, nasty shirt, cap. I go to pick her up. She comes out and she's dressed in white tree-torn tennis shoes, <laughs> capri pants, nice blouse, Everything topped off with her signature item at that time, which was a nice strand of pearls. <laughs> okay. We get in the car. We drive to the country. It is a beautiful, glorious day. Glorious day. Roll down the windows. The wind's blowing. The country air, all that kind of good stuff. Birds chirping. It is so nice. Then we get about a mile away. <laughs> and it's the smell. Now, where I grew up, there were basically two smells that you smelled all the time. Either one, the paper mill, or two, farm, pig farm. Both had a very distinctive odor, and this without question was the pig farm because it's a kind of a mixture, if you've ever smelled one, it's hard to describe, but it's kind of a mixture of dirt, pig poop, and pig feed, all kind of, and moist, you know, sort of all wet. <laughs> And she looks at me and she goes, what is that smell? And I said, it's the pig farm, sweetie. What do you mean it's the pig farm? I thought pigs were cute, cuddly, pink little things. I said, well, they are when they're first born, but these are feeder pigs. She said, what do you mean feeder pigs? And I said, well, we buy pigs at a certain weight, then we fatten them up, and then we sell them off to the slaughterhouse. Oh, okay. So we get to the farm, I get out, open the gate, we drive through. Now, the way the farm is situated, you have 75 acres of cotton kind of in the center. Then you've got a dirt road that sort of goes around the 75 acres. And then along the perimeter of the dirt road are pens, pig houses. <clears throat> I'm going to take her to the biggest pen, pig house that, I, that we had. Now, a pig house is a very long wooden structure 
with a tin roof with plastic sheeting down the side that kind of flapped against it to keep the wind from going through that kind of thing. So we pull up to it and we get out. Walk up to the door. And I said, last chance. Are you sure you want me to open this door? And she said, absolutely. I said, okay. I'll open the door. Now, these are feeder pigs. When you open that door, their assumption is you are going to feed them. There are wooden pens going the entire length of the pig house. There's about 15 to 20 hogs in every pen, and they're all wooden. And all at one time, they think, we are being fed. So they rush the gate, and they stick their noses through, and they gnaw on the wooden slats, and they oink, and they squeal, and they snot's flying, and there's slobber flying, and they're kicking each other, and they're trying to crawl over each other, and they're squealing and pushing and biting and fighting and trying to get to the front of the line. And over the din of the just cacophony of squealing and pigs and just noise. I look at her and I say, are you ready to go in? And she says, absolutely not. <laughs> so I shut the door. We go back and we get back in the car. Now, something about a pig farm that you may or may not know is the smell gets in your clothes. <laughs> I know she threw away the tree torns. I don't know about the blouse and the capri pants, but I can tell you this. We got married on August the 20th, 1988. The better news, she has never, not once, asked me to go back to the pig farm. <laughs> Brett Pippen is the Vice President for Marketing for Regions Bank. You can give him a follow on Twitter at HPippen3. Now, while things ultimately worked out for Brett and his date, that's obviously not always the case. In fact, I'm sure all of us know what it's like to find ourselves on a date from hell. And what's worst is when it turns out the person we're with is ultimately not at all who we thought they were. That turns out to be the case for our next storyteller. Here's Eunice Elliott. Uh, MySpace, Applebee's, and Doritos. <laughs> Ingredients for a great love story. <laughs> or not so much. Uh, somehow, I am chronically single. I know you're thinking, what? No, she's amazing. <laughs> but I never have a man. Um, and I'm really, really unlucky in dating, but I'm open, you know? Um, the only person I've ever met, I don't know you guys, but I'm the only person I've ever met that's ever dated a car salesman <laughs> that didn't have a car. <laughs> Put your hand down. Put your hand down. I once dated a homeless guy for three months before I figured it out. <laughs> he told me he was on tour, and that's why he always had luggage. 
Oh, y'all would have known. Y'all would have known. Okay. Anyway, that's why he always had luggage uh, when he came to my house. But this particular story I thought would have a, a different type ending because I had lived in a lot of different really cool places. I'd had a lot of great experiences. I dated some high profile, you know, people, but none of them ever worked. So when I decided to move back to Alabama just to be a family member, um, I was just open, just open. I moved in with my brother. He lived in Hueytown, single dad. And so uh, I would sit in the back room and um, join to MySpace. Um, <laughs> that was what people were doing then. So I meet a guy on MySpace, and we start corresponding on MySpace, and that became my entertainment. I was looking forward to messaging this guy on MySpace, and finally, he asked me out to his favorite restaurant. So I was like really excited. Um, Applebee's in Homewood. <laughs> it's not open anymore. <laughs> Because neither is MySpace, so. Um, so I'm making sense now. So I meet him at Applebee's, and um, as I mentioned, I, he was a regular guy. And so even though I had dated a lot of different kinds of guys, I thought, okay, I'm in Alabama, I should date a regular guy. And so he was very, 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 very regular. <laughs> And, um, and we, we struck up a relationship. I thought it had great promise because he was taller than me. So I thought, this'll work. Um, so anyway, we hadn't been dating long at all and we got into a bit of an argument. Well, he got into an argument, I don't argue. Because I'm always right, right? <laughs> So he would kind of raise his voice about things and I'm not into that and I don't like it. And so the first time he did it, it kind of caught me off guard. I was like, wow, we're not like even like in love yet and we're doing this. So I took a few days and a few days I told him, I said, hey, I'm not sure about, you know, what you're used to, but I don't like that. So he says, I'm sorry. You know, I just got, I'm working on my temper. Okay, no problem. So a few weeks go by. Um, learning more about him, learning how much more regular he is now when i say regular i, I don't want because sometimes that can have like a condescending connotation right so when i mean regular i mean like regular like <sighs> like he didn't have a car that's not regular though is it he um the gas at his house was off so he would warm up his bath water on a hot plate in the that's not, that's not, okay. <laughs> Didn't have a phone. Okay, I'm gonna stop talking about him because y'all gonna start judging me. So, but still, I'm, I'm, he likes me. That's all that matters is he likes me, you know? And so after a few weeks, we had another uh, moment and um, he raised his voice and started screaming about something. I took myself out of the situation. Didn't talk to him for a week. And then I said, hey, so, Remember that time I told you that uh, I don't do that yelling thing and I don't want to do that with you and we can't just talk to each other, you know. He apologized, he acknowledged the error of his ways and I said, well, let's do this, let's make a deal. If you ever scream at me again, that's the breakup. You know, we won't talk about it on the back end, that'll just be the answer. <laughs> right then, in that moment, that's gonna be it. 
Okay, fine. So we get invited to a tailgate party. Y'all ever heard of the Magic City Classic? get invited to the Majesty Classic to tailgate. And so friends of mine had gotten a tent and a DJ and a porta potty and it was gonna be like a big thing, <laughs> right? And I actually have a date. Um, who's taller than me? So I said to my date, you know, he worked for Pepsi, by the way. So he would be in the stores. Uh, the guy, you know, when you go to the store and you see that person that's taking up a lot of the aisle putting the stuff on the shelf, you know, regular. Uh, <laughs> so I said, hey, when you're at work today, would you mind grabbing some things to take to the tailgate? You know, some chips or something. Because uh, you know how you, when you have something, especially black people at a tailgate, they have everything, but you still are expected to bring something with you. He said, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he brought some um, bread, some plain potato chips, and some sodas. And so we went to the uh, tailgate, and we had a great time, and talked to friends and ate and drank and just had a really good time. And so we were getting ready to leave and we're walking back through the crowd of the Magic City Classic around Legion Field. We're walking back to my car. <laughs> and he made the comment, nobody ate anything we brought. I was like, yeah, but we ate and drank things we didn't bring. So it equals out, it's okay. So we're still walking, and I don't think we're having a real conversation, you know? <laughs> you know, you can talk to someone, but it is background noise. It's like, we're not really talking about anything. Not right now. And he says, man, I don't even have bread at the house. Regular. <laughs> so I'm walking, and I'm like, wow, okay, this dude is really auditing this tailgate. So, but as long as he's still going in the same direction as me, we're fine. He's just thinking out loud, I guess. Keep walking, we keep walking, and he says, man, I mean, nobody ate those chips. And I, said, I said, well, look, you know what? I found my home in somebody's Doritos. So if somebody takes home those plain potato chips, fair trade, it's all good. To which he responded, Doritos ain't chips. I've told y'all I've accepted a lot of things. <laughs> I have helped him warm up bath water. I have picked him up from his home, given him an extra phone I had to call. But Doritos ain't chips. <laughs> and I've been kissing him in the mouth. <laughs> mouth open. So I say, yeah, they are, <laughs> all right? They're tortilla chips, it says on the bag. <laughs> he says, no, when somebody says chips, they mean plain potato chips. <laughs> I said, no, when somebody says chip, they mean get it off the chip aisle. <laughs> Pringles, popcorn, cheese curls. You, Pepsi is on the chip aisle. You should know this. All this stuff is on the chip aisle. And 
and he looks at me, and I look at him, and he curses me out. Clean out. Like a bunch of words, like pig farm words. (laughs) (laughs) And he stumps off down the street, leaves me. And I'm just standing there, and everybody's looking around because they saw this scene, and I'm looking around like, who was that? Who was that? Who was that guy? Did you see that guy? Who was he with? But I already told y'all, that's effectively the breakup. So I said, well, baby Jesus, that was dramatic, but (laughs) cool, I'll never see him again. Until I got to my car. (laughs) He's on the passenger side of my car. So um, I sat in my car, I didn't unlock the door yet, and I turned the car on, and I'm sitting there like, I've never been in a situation like this. Uh, This dude is standing, you know, he just cussed me out in front of everybody. And um, I'm thinking, you know, okay, 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 what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? (laughs) I open the door, he gets in the car, and I said, hey, were we talking about chips? He said, just take me home, just take me home. You don't always have to be right, but I am. Take me home. And I realized, okay, this is something from childhood. This, is, this has nothing to do with me. And so he keeps screaming. I said, I can't take you home. I don't know what's going on. But anyway, he gets out the car, stumps off down the street. And I'm looking at him, and I remember, you know what? He still has my phone. So I say, hey, 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 hey. Give me my phone. And he threw the phone at me. He threw like a girl, so it just hit. <laughs> it wasn't dangerous. But he continued to stump off down the street and I never saw him again. And I thought, man, I gotta tell people this didn't work out. Started out as a good day, but I really was thinking, please don't let him go back and get that bread. Eunice Elliott is a comedian, morning news anchor, and host of the Oh No Girl Yes podcast, which you can get wherever you got this podcast. You can check out everything she has going on at her website, EuniceWorld.com. If you want to hear more of our stories, obviously subscribe to this podcast. We would also love it if you would share it with a friend, but... We also want you to come to one of our live events. Our next one will be March 21st at the Avon Theater in Birmingham, Alabama. Our theme will be All In Stories with High Stakes. We're still looking for some storytellers for that event. So if you have a story you want to tell or you just want to go ahead and get your tickets, you can find all the details at our website, arcstories.com. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening to the Arc Stories podcast. I'm Chris Kinsley. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chris Kinsley. Arc Stories is at all those places too, at Arc Stories. This podcast is produced by me and Arc Stories director Taylor Robinson. Preston Lovey Good composed our theme. Special thanks to Eric Chapman from Symmetric Sound for his audio expertise, as well as to Betsy Lee, Audra Whaley, Victor Davidson, Aaron Moon, Leonard Lee Smith, Ryan Whaley, and Katie Ballou for making this episode possible. If you like our show, please rate us and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us. So with that in mind, I want to say a special thank you to Is Okay With Me and Nadia Thomas for your recent reviews.
We've made it really easy for you to leave your own. Just go to arcstories.com slash Apple. And while you're there, be sure to look around the rest of arcstories.com. There you can listen to other stories. You can stay up to date with all of our events. And you can even submit your own story to tell. After all, we are always asking, what's your story? 